0: I call it LaCroix. I think it's. I don't know why it looks like it should be LaCroix. I think it's from like Nebraska.
1: I mean, I I definitely agree with you that it should be called LaCroix, but like it's definitely LaCroix.
0: Okay, Ian has chosen the inexplicably chosen the lime flavor over the key lime flavor. Um, I I think feel like this is just indefensible. Like (laughs) like LaCroix LaCroix has such a weak flavor already. And the lime is like or, like it's already um it's already oh, what's the word for it? The one where they dilute the treatment down to nothing. Like it, it's already that and then they like the lime is the like the like taking that function
2: and then applying it to the output of that function
0: again <laughs> the, of the key lime. The ingredient
2: the ingredients are only carbonated water naturally essenced. I don't know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, I, I mean, what is natural essence? exactly? Like, are they running some kind of perfume through it? Or Back when I was interested in philosophy,
0: I was an anti-essentialist, meaning that I didn't think there was an inner thing that distinguished things from other things. <laughs> I wonder if LaCroix is a, an essentialist company. LaCroix. What is key lime? Um, it's a tiny lime. Oh, okay. That I believe that you, can I the, you can eat this. You can eat Did you know that?
1: The I, I I did not know that. I I only knew it was a pie.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, it is, the pie is made out of
0: tiny limes? Huh. I, I, I think from, limes. I think it's yeah. from the
1: Florida Keys, but
0: I could that could be that could be completely all right. My well, main making brain making.
1: <laughs> that said, we have a very exciting guest here yeah, today. We, we,
0: we are joined by Ben Stansel of Mode Analytics. Howdy. Um, ben, yeah, tell, tell the audience who you are,
2: why anyone would want you around their podcast. Uh, well you're going to have to ask yourselves that. Um, <laughs> uh, so I am the chief analyst at Mode Analytics, like Otis mentioned. Uh, Otis and I used to work together way back when. Um,
0: you wrote the longest SQL queries, and you kept using the same alias over
2: and over yeah, again. <laughs> <laughs> part of part of Yammer's uh, like ETL stack spells browser wrong all the way through it <laughs> because <laughs> I misspelled it at the very beginning of some pipeline, uh, and then it was like Brower just the whole <laughs> way through, and it was too much effort to fix. A tribute to Jim Brower, the reliever.
1: <laughs> I feel like that's okay. Like as long as. You all knew what it was. Yeah. Like, it could be like a new person comes in. Good luck. Yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> it's a miracle that there wasn't, like, net
2: rock. Like,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Refer was always
2: hard to spell, though. Apparently that, like, got misspelled sometime, like, back in the beginnings of the Internet. Um, anyway, okay. So uh, my background, I uh, used to work actually in D.C. I worked for a policy think tank uh, doing economic research. Uh, which is not that dissimilar actually than than analytics jobs uh, where you take a bunch of data, uh, try to figure out what to do with it, try to make decisions based on it. The only difference was rather than making decisions for a company, we were trying to make decisions for for policymakers. Um, And also, unlike most companies, the people we were trying to make decisions for weren't paying us anything to do it. Uh, and had about that much incentive to listen to it. I I feel like that. Yeah. That, that's an essential part of consulting, right?
0: Is uh, like nobody actually
2: cares. (laughs) Yeah. We were unpaid consultants for people who weren't asking for it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We would like you to make us feel good about the decision we are going to make anyway, regardless of what you say.
2: Yeah. And then we're going to maybe use this as an example as why we made the decision when everybody knows that's not true. (laughs) Um, so I was there for a couple of years, left, uh, joined Otis at Yammer as a product intelligence oh, was manager. Oh, was that
0: what we were calling it at that point? I don't remember.
2: Quantitative product analyst. Quantitative we product, product analyst. That
0: was the, the first job title. Yeah. And think, then when we went to when Microsoft bought Yammer, they said that we were intelligence managers. Product intelligence managers, which we were PIMS. We didn't know what that meant, <laughs> and neither did they. And, and actually, at that point, they didn't. But have, what level were you? Uh, fifty
2: something Skyrim. Sixty two. I don't no. know. Yeah. yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> something between fifty eight and seventy one. Yeah, it's like which, well, this
1: is how you learn how to play your career like yeah. a video game, right? Yes. <laughs> so we
2: we
0: like sky like. Microsoft didn't have data science in product Mm -hmm. at that point. They had research and literal AI, Mm -hmm. and then a bunch of test engineers. And they were like, they had like business intelligence, and I guess that's where they decided that that like what a lot of people would think of as the product e data science fit into was it was a form of business intelligence, which was a collapsing job title in the world at the time. Yeah,
2: we worked with we worked alongside like a BI team in Redmond that did more or less reporting. Well, what was that? They had the the their equivalent of OKRs, which I don't remember what it was. Yeah, okay. That was basically everything had to roll up to these numbers. And like, that's how you got your budget and all yeah. of that. And it was basically the team that was responsible for helping everybody put that stuff together. Um, in any case, so I was at, at Yammer, then Microsoft for a while. Uh, then at some point, me and a couple other folks on that team left to start mode. This was in 2013. Uh, and so I have been at mode ever since.
0: Cool. And mode, for those of you who don't know, is a web page with which one writes SQL into. Correct. Mm.
1: Yes. Mm. Uh, And and can Python and R and make charts and mm. many other fancy things. Yes. Yeah. We uh, we we use it at Clover. I think. Do you guys use it?
0: Yeah, we, we yeah. just we just started on it. Yeah. Um, I <laughs> I replaced some uh, some uh, Google Sheets that were doing financial forecasts mm-hmm. with some Python uh, using the mode my Python notebooks. That
1: seems reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> All um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it works.
0: Um, so yeah, uh, I think um, one of the one of the main things that we wanted to talk about is the you know, with Ben, is the. Identity of data analyst versus data scientist, um, and there like there's a an article that um, Vicky Boykus, I think, right. was, yes, mm-hmm. um, wrote, which is a really great article. Kind of throws that into sharp relief. Ben, what do you like? How do you think of yourself? Are you a analyst or a data scientist?
2: How do you feel about that? So this is a really tough question. <clears throat> um, I am officially <laughs> officially my title is chief analyst. Uh, I run our data science team. Um, well, I, you have really managed to <laughs> complicate this yeah, question. Yeah. <laughs> Intersectional data science yeah. with Ben Stansel. Uh, yeah. So so I believe myself based on the things that I do and, and the way that I approach problems to be an analyst. I think that, that fundamentally what my job is at Mode or, or part of my job that is related to this question is to take the problems that we have as a business, take the questions that we have – apply data to those questions and figure out the decisions that we need to make uh, to move the business forward, to make better decisions, whether or not those decisions are which products we ship or whether or not we launch new marketing campaigns, whether or not we should hire more people, all the kind of decisions decisions that are big for for the direction of the business. I, I like fundamentally believe that as the job of an analyst, we are analyzing the situation, analyzing the data, the context around it, and then trying
1: to make recommendations on on what to do. So, So to kind of push on that a little bit, Like how, how is that different than a data scientist? So I don't know what a data scientist does. Uh, (laughs)
2: So, (laughs) so I think that, that if I had to define, like, I I recently just talked to some folks about this who are students who are kind of like trying to figure out what to do and, and define if I had to put some sort of like crude definitions on, on these roles to me, an analyst is someone who is trying to help people make decisions and a data scientist is basically helping machines make frequent decisions. Mm-hmm. So if you're Stitch Fix and you're trying to put a bunch of clothes in a box, if you're Netflix and you're trying to recommend which pictures to show on, on movies, if you're Facebook and trying to figure out which ads to serve, those are sort of the domain of a data scientist because you're automating a machine decision.
1: Is it is it <clears> the <throat> same skill set or? I, so
2: no. So that that's the other thing is I, I think that the, the data scientist and this sort of telling – the data scientist skill set is <clears throat> more about understanding like how to build those models, how to automate those models, and how to do sort of the engineering work around a lot of that. It's less about understanding <clears throat> the context of a business problem, less about how do I work with other people on solving yeah. this, um, and and less about kind of the the softer side of that like problem solving solving skill set.
0: But that's. I think that's interesting. I'm not sure I agree. <laughs> um, like uh, the like data science. I, I think everybody agrees there's a blurry line between data sure. scientist and analyst. Yeah.
1: I mean, like, I I would argue like data scientist in general is just a blurry thing. Yeah. I and, mean, yeah,
0: there's yeah. a ten thousand dollar a year, maybe twenty thousand dollar a year reason to call yourself a data scientist. I think no it's matter. than that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which
2: is one of the reasons that that is now the 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 team. At I mean,
0: I, I agree. I agree. Like there, there's two different ways we can think about it. Like you can like – we can try to draw like a bright line around them. Mm-hmm. Um, but is the person who works on A-B tests, for example, like I think most companies still want to call that person a, a data scientist, the person who's like building that system mm-hmm. or analyzing those outputs. like They don't usually call – you don't want to call yourself an analyst. Maybe it's just because of pay reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but are they an analyst or are they a data scientist in this in this particular, like, setup? Like, they've got some tools, but they're not usually the person deploying it. Um, it sounds more like analyst work, like mm-hmm. understanding the business, understanding the decision, sure. setting yeah. these things up. Um, but, you
2: know... Yeah, and I I think that that work typically fall – like if you, again, draw the lines on the responsibilities that you're trying to do, I Mm -hmm. think that falls into the analyst bucket. Mm -hmm. That may mean the lines are drawn, again, not in precise ways. I agree that there's no real great way to define this. Mm -hmm. And there's this kind of like – one of the things that makes it tricky is I think there's sort of this Venn diagram of analyst and data scientist – there's some things that I think everybody would agree as a data scientist which is okay we the stitch fix example mm-hmm. the people building those models are data scientists most people would not refer to those people as analysts yes, probably not yeah then yeah. there are some people on the analyst side that you would definitely refer to as
1: analysts of the the sort of bi type of folks that we're talking about at mm-hmm. Microsoft it's like so mm-hmm. like your financial projections exactly. or, yeah. or like or like your your like user counts. That one is even a little bit fuzzy. Uh, yeah, that but, one's probably a
2: bit fuzzy. But but, but then there's this middle yeah. ground where it's kind of like applying a little bit more advanced techniques. You're writing some code, but how much code do you really need to write? Like yeah. could you do the job without it? Um that I think is is this kind of place that a lot of folks in, in Silicon Valley particularly find themselves where they basically define a title
1: that they want and and Data scientist is clearly the title that is, like, the more prestigious one out of the two. Yeah. Well, the, the the challenging thing as well is, like, well, so what about the scenario where, like, you have a Netflix or Stitch or Stitch Fix type job, mm-hmm. but, like, you have deployment tools, right? So you, you are not actually necessarily, like, writing production code. You're writing what you could think of as, like, production configurations, right? So some engineering team has sort of specified, like, as long as you write your thing – in this kind of box, you can just put it here mm-hmm. and the production system will pick it up. And, and like, if you write it in this way, it will be performant enough and you don't have to worry about mm-hmm. it. So, so I think that that is,
2: if you, again, if you have to sort of define these things, that to me is still a data scientist. Like the, yeah. the actual, you know, I don't know how to, to push code to production is if you're the person who's building that system, you yeah. start to push into like a data engineer or just a, a like a DevOps engineer even. Yeah. Um, those people, the people who are doing that in a lot of cases, to me, the data doesn't even matter. Yeah. They're, the fact that you're working with data is like that's just the input to the the application that you're building. You're not necessarily interacting with it as data per se.
0: So like I think we, you know, it's easy to, to abstract the like step back a little bit and say like a data scientist is some mixture of analytics sure. and and engineering. And the more, the more you add, like it's, it's like you, add, you keep adding engineering to it and it becomes more obvious that it's a data scientist until you add too much engineering. And then it's a, a machine learning engineer fear. and then you add the wrong kind of engineering and it's a data engineer. Um, <laughs> so like there's a there's – a rec- it's, you know, it's kind of like uh, scones versus cookies. Like you, it's the same ingredients but like in, the, in different proportions you get different things. I have no
2: idea what a scone is.
0: You have no idea? I mean, I've eaten a scone, but I don't know how to define it. It's a biscuit with sugar or a cookie with more flour than you would. Like a Bowberry biscuit.
2: So
1: it's – What the hell? What? (laughs) What I have literally never heard that word in my (laughs) entire life Have you ever been to Bojangles? I also have never heard that word.
2: Okay. So it's a fried chicken and biscuits place. Uh They have a thing called a Bowberry biscuit, which is a biscuit that they fill with blueberries and cover in like a a sugary – Drizzle.
0: That sounds amazing. It's very good. um,
2: Where is this located? Mostly the South, only the South. I see.
0: I think this uh, the, the like, people from the South speak of Mister uh, Bojangles as like the fried chicken place that they go to. Yeah, yeah. it's
2: it's the Chick Fil A that's open on Sundays. Fair enough.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay, so all right, well now we've we've classified our scones and cookies and
2: blueberry okay. biscuits. bowberry bowberry. Bo- yeah, bowberry so, biscuits. biscuits or scones. All right, that's what I'm hearing.
0: But uh, I th- I think. Mm-hmm. What I hear and what I see from people who work with data scientists, are data scientists, manage data scientists, is that still even after all of the emphasis on engineering, Mm -hmm. like you have to add engineering skills. The right idea is to add it for the market is to add engineering skills. Engineering skills are the easiest thing to measure. When people complain about the job that the data scientist is doing and they're not living up to standards, it's like it all turns out that – it is like they're not doing lateral thinking. They're not like they're not optimizing a metric that matters to the business. They're not doing they're not doing the like the right variety of causal thinking embedded in there. So like it feels like the like that people people say that it's more of an engineering job, but actually it's like it's it's analytics but with um, inside a, a mech suit.
2: Yeah, so I very much agree with that. And I think that's that's the the skill set that really defines the people who are good versus great at this, is the people who are sort of analytically nimble in how they reason about problems and can come up with clever solutions to identify proxies for what they're trying to figure out and then ways to identify causality in those in those proxies. And that while you can do that through sort of a, a brute force of like applying a bunch of algorithms to it or applying a bunch of models and things like that. I think it's, it's often much less effective and also ineffective in the sort of business side of it, where you can't explain that to someone of why you did it. You can't give an effective presentation about this is why we should make this decision around Mm -hmm. this thing. It ends up being like, well, we have a model that told us a thing. We can't really reason about why we approached it this way or what we should do about it. And it becomes this very sort of black box thing that isn't effective to communicating to executives. Like, a couple sort of very well put together bar charts that come up with a really clever way to to present the problem and a solution.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I would say for, for me, one of the, one of the things that I always like try to try to look at when I'm, when I'm looking at, at like, all right, what, what is going to make this person like good at this job Mm. versus like struggle uh, a lot of that, like, I, I kind of, like, encompass all of that uh, in, uh, I, in this idea of, like, product sense, right? Like, do they know what problem they're actually trying to solve? Because, like, the algorithm doesn't tell you that, right? Like, it doesn't say, like, oh, if you solve this problem, it will be valuable. It just says this is how you solve this problem,
0: an engineer gets a product manager to have product sense for yeah. them. Yeah. But actually – and I I think the people who – like it's really hard to be a product manager for a data scientist. And I think most companies that have tried that have been like,
2: eh, I'm not sure if this is a thing. Um, Though I, I don't – so I agree with that. And I don't know of many – like the – in those cases, the places where I've seen that work is where the, the data scientists are engineers of data products. Yeah. Um, yeah, in which fix,
1: case, Stitch Fix. Yeah, yeah, yeah which, I mean, that yeah. is that is the Stitch Fix model. The, uh, it's quite similar to our model.
2: The, there so, is an yeah. interesting question there, though, that I've never actually considered of, like, analyst as PM, where where the analyst is sort of defining the parameters of the question, asking ways of how do we figure this problem out. What is – say someone comes to you with a question, like one of the interview questions I, I ask folks is is basically say Facebook releases a new feature. It was a new feature. It used to be a feature that Facebook released like seven years ago. So now I'm like, have you ever heard of this feature? And people are like, no. And I'm like, it came out in 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Facebook releases a new feature. Your job is to figure out, is it good for Facebook? Mm-hmm. And so there's all these questions you have to ask before that are sort of like, what is good for Facebook? Like, how do I figure that out? What if it's good in these ways and not these other ways? That The skill set of a, of a technical data scientist often doesn't necessarily lend itself towards, Or it's as, as – It's sort of a. It's like independent. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like it's like developing this skill of asking the right questions is not like a thing that naturally comes from being able to master like Rails libraries or whatever. Yeah.
1: So there's a kind of interesting sort of parallel in the research world, for instance, uh, where like if you're running a drug trial, right, like it is the, you know, the biopharma researchers that Mm -hmm. are like figuring out all right, like, what condition do we want to target? What are the pathways that, like, we're actually going to do that? Uh, how do we formulate the drugs so mm-hmm. that it, like, actually gets at those pathways? And, and then also, like, how do we formulate the drugs so that human beings can, can process it? They So they're essentially, like, formulating the problem of, mm-hmm. like, we want to test a drug to cure X, but they need a technical expert to come in like, after that problem has been formulated, to basically say, how are we going to design the experiment? So like, an
2: experiment design. Type yeah. Of
1: thing. Yeah. And so, like, that's what a biostatistician will come in to do. So, like, you know, they're, they're, uh, so uh, pharma companies and 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 also research uh, uh, so, uh, like like large research institutions will just have on staff a set of statisticians whose job it is to go from exper- from like trial to trial and like run their power calculations and then like do the analysis at the end of it and like they're they're cited on the trial like everybody else but they're not formulating the problem they're they're just, figuring out what kind of machinery you need to know if this thing was successful or not.
2: Yeah. So one thing that's interesting, and I don't actually know if folks do this, is does that pairing exist on data science teams where there are people who are sort of the the formulating the business problems, connecting these dots, and then getting statistical and modeling help essentially mm-hmm. from people who have a sort of that skill set but aren't necessarily as inclined towards the other side of the problem.
0: I mean, I I think most data scientists have a customer that is that they're trying to serve whether it's a PM or some internal internal customer that is trying to guide the product at some point, whether they're like on the analyst side or whether they're on the data science side or whether they're on the engineering side. Um so I think I think that pairing mostly does exist.
1: I um, I think it depends on the company. Like if you take the Stitch Fist, the Stitch Fix kind of example. Like, they don't have that, right? Like, the the data scientists run independent there, and they're sort of expected to know, like, well, what does the business need and what are Mm. some set of hypotheses that we can test and, like, what would be a useful thing? And then you do a bunch of work on that and figure out, like, is this thing worth testing and then try to get your thing in the queue. But, like, my, so I – You know they they had something like three PMs for the entire company when they went public, and they were and those PMs were hired late. This is for a team of like seventy data scientists, and like the whole company is is like data science. Yeah,
2: uh, but a team that big, you probably start to find data scientists finding different lanes that they can operate in. Yeah, some data scientists are. Aren't yeah. great at asking those questions. Yeah. Some data scientists tilt much more. Yeah, towards no, those. I mean,
1: if you're sitting in an organization like that, like you need product sense or you're not going to yeah. drive value. There are other organizations where, you know, basically like a PM is driving a product roadmap and like experimentation is part of like figuring out should this feature be shipped. Mm-hmm. And so, like, yeah, then then there probably is like that so, pairing might exist. So,
2: but my, my question on that is in those cases i don't know that most pms are hired for the skill set that helps with that pairing yeah. like the pm is there for product sense like actual product product sets yeah. as well as how to work with engineers and how to work with marketing and how to like communicate with a pmm on how this feature is going to be valued in the market not in thinking about how do we decide quantitatively or analytically quantitatively or not whether or not this feature is a thing that we need to build.
0: Oh, well, I mean, let's talk about the job title that is less well defined yeah, than oh. data scientist. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, my my opinion on it and like this is this is probably like maybe like less formed in my head than I would like it to be, but but my my experience with with product management is that is that it has lagged the market with respect to how data gets gets built into products? That like if you look at most product organizations today, and and how PMs are trained, and, and like the organizations that the good ones are coming out of, like they've gotten a lot of training around like, well, how do you work with engineers? How do you work with marketers? Uh, how do you uh, how do you how do you work with other PMs? How do you work? Uh, with with like a designers, very few of them have gotten exposure to like well, how do you work with data? Both on the like on the like data as useful to you for for experimentation around like whether <clears throat> X feature is valuable, but also like data as a feature, yeah. like so build it into you know like the you know like a recommendation algorithm or 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 things of that nature. Like I. I think product management has kind of fallen behind, which is sort of why you you see organizations like Stitch Fix basically saying like we're not going to have them because they're not like they're not value additive to this set of people who are going to like do a lot of iteration and experimentation and try to find something that works.
2: Yeah, I, the one one this maybe me get me sort of run out of this room. Uh, <laughs> I I, I, was, can't wait. <laughs> I was I was a PM for a little bit at Mode. Uh, and I, and I, like I, just, PMs. I, mean,
1: I, I, I like PMs too. <laughs> uh,
2: I, one thing, whether or not they're, I agree that they have sort of lagged in the sense that, that data has become more and more important in their jobs. I actually think in terms of if you had to rank what things are most important, it's not a very high thing on that list, depending on which company you're at, that yeah. could change. But a lot of the just organizational, how do I deal with 15 competing interests and keep a team moving all in one yeah. direction? That's the skill set that, to me, separates the great PMs from the ones that, that are
1: I passable. I like totally agree with that. Um, I I think the place where like where like if I were looking into product and saying, well, like how, like this this is how I become great. How do I get a superpower? Like a superpower for for a PM in like today's age is, is almost like knowing how to build data products because mm-hmm. there's zero PMs out there that – or at least I haven't come across any that can do that.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a real developed discipline. Yeah. And I think a lot of the companies that are like trying to hire PMs to build the data products are usually – they don't know what they're looking for like literally in the skill set that they're trying to get. And also what what the job description is on the like data product PM side.
2: That, so this actually raises another question that's maybe somewhat tangential to this. Uh, but I think it's an interesting topic we could return to later or just skip altogether. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is what? how much data literacy should we expect or should companies expect across a company? So, so PMs have some degree of it. Like there's some expectation of yeah. some degree of it. There's this whole – notion that most people agree with it, like companies are becoming more and more data driven or at least need to be more and more data savvy. Like yeah. data is a part of the culture and more companies in some ways, whether or not people actually make decisions on it, it's a different question. But to what degree should there be an expectation of people being comfortable with data or being able to be able to like reason about
1: numbers in a way that makes sense? Yeah. So, I mean, I I've, I've at least spent a little bit of time thinking about this because like I... I sometimes deal with early-stage startups who, who have this question of, like, hey, like, we're building this product. When do we hire a data scientist? Or, like, when do we hire a product analyst? Or, like, we need to do the datas. Like, mm-hmm. how do we do that? And the answer that, that, that I will typically give them is, like, the first thing you have to decide is, do you want data as, as like, a core part of your company? because the answer might be no right like like there are products you can build that are insanely valuable and will definitely get get and will get uptake in the market where like data is just not a core part of that value proposition and and you may you you don't need it now and you might not need it ever um it, i it, and and the example that that like i I like to give for this is like and like I don't know, I I don't have an inside view of this, but like Apple certainly does not have a reputation as a data-driven company. Apple is a design-driven company. Like they, I mean, they will cut products that don't work and so they'll use data for that, but that's not hard, right? You just like, release the product and you're like, oh, this I mean, it didn't pretty hard to yeah. cut products. But <laughs> I, well, I, I mean, like like knowing if a product well, yeah. works or not is you know, it's just like, well, we shipped it and it didn't sell the end. <laughs> or or like two years later, you're yeah. like, we didn't make enough money on this. But but like the core of their essence is design. Like they permeate they permeate their organization with design thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh so, you don't have to be a data company to be successful. Uh, there are some spaces where you do. like it's kind of hard to be an insurance company without being a data company. but then like, but that is a choice that you get to make, you know, depending on which ecosystem you happen to be in
2: and and is actually even that true for insurance companies? Is it true? like there are definitely aspects where that's true. Yeah. like you have to be actuarial,
1: presumably. Yes. yeah,
2: but for, as a company, from, like, does the C suite need to actually care?
1: Yeah. And, and, and maybe not, right? Like, especially if, if, like, you're the market leader and, you know, you got there at a time when, like, there was no growth hacking, like, you probably don't need that. You've got the distribution channels, like, your product works, you know how to make it profitable. Like, You know, the thing that I would posit is just, like, not every company needs to be a data company. But if you do want to be a data company, then, like, you need to have people in your company who, like, know how to do things with data.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think if you are there and you want – like, you want to be a data literate company – I mean I think it's more important to be critical like critical thinking is actually what you like what I mean a lot of the times when I compliment a, te- a company as a data driven company like when you mean it as a compliment it is not literally we use a lot of numbers and have a lot of <laughs> graphs yeah like it is like we think through our decisions and yeah we use empirical evidence when the empirical evidence is not horrifyingly tainted yeah Um. so like to me that like that is that's the essence of, are you uh, data-driven or not? And that's what I want to hear. So whether or not, like, it's not about the quantity. Yeah. When you are there, when when you do need lots and lots of, when you do have lots of empirical data out there, I feel like it's not crazy to expect everyone at your company to know SQL. Yeah. Like, I, I like, it's not that hard to learn. Yeah. Like, your data is going to be a million times harder than SQL is if you're one of those companies.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah. as as someone who sells a website that you write SQL into, <laughs> I agree. I That's music to my ears. Uh, By my would, website. I would <laughs> say that even if you
0: weren't here, though. Yeah. Uh,
2: but yeah, I think I think one of the things that that we often see where I think this gets mixed up, or or and I obviously have somewhat of a, a bias in this this argument, but that that people confusing data access with analysis, where yeah. where it's like we provide access to data, we give people the ability to go pull data. Yeah you have like a button that you can export anything you want into a csv and now now you're going to make better decisions as a result and there's like a big missing step there that i think those companies that deliver that sort of solution to their to their like their employees are missing where it's like great because you now have charts and graphs you're now going to be better about what you do and it's like there's a step there that's missing
1: uh, okay so 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 let's push into that cuz i feel like that's like related to other conversations that we've had around like, well, what do the tools buy you versus like how do you actually become a data-driven company? Mm-hmm. I, so I think the Apple
2: example here is a, an interesting one and yeah. like a good one where Apple does not become a design-driven company because they buy good design tools. I presumably. Um, <laughs> like they become that because they care about it because every conversation, including ones from like the top down, yeah. probably ask questions of how does this affect the way that we feel about like the designs of our products? Yeah. That that you're always sort of checking the things that you're building or the decisions you're making against this these principles that you have in, in design. I'm not a designer, so I don't even know how to frame those principles. Mm-hmm. But but there is a, a sense that this is an important thing for us to to like evaluate everything against. Yeah.
0: So I, I, I think I want to like push on the idea that like – so a good analytical company will pick good analytical tools though, right? Like there is like – there's a there, – there, the correlation is there, right? Like you can't
1: just – You can't pick – You can't pick
0: You can't, pick you your, can't allow pick,
1: zero infrastructure.
0: Right. Well, and I'm thinking about like we, we had a product before mode that was write SQL into a web page sure. as well. Yeah. And one of the main problems that it had was you would run your query and then you'd share that analysis and then someone else would click run on it and then the the same URL would have mm. different results on it. <laughs> <laughs> Which would I would call that a lack of reproducibility. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. like it was a big like it is a big blocker to doing good analysis. And like if you hire good
2: people, they'll be like, This tool's bullshit. <laughs> so so I I like agree with that with I agree that there are things that that will happen in in bad tools or or like allowing that sort of stuff can be dangerous. I think that that doesn't necessarily mean that that good yeah. analysts choose good tools. So so coming from DC, everybody uses Excel. That's like true. that's just the world that they live in. And, Nate and Nate Silver loves data. Yeah, <laughs> and like I oh, have like a that's a, a failing. <laughs> a, I worked in economic policy. I like entertain the idea of becoming a professional economist, so even sort of more. I know some state of code too. Yeah, uh, <laughs> grumpy job than I currently have. Um, that, that, so, so I, I like read a lot of Paul Krugman. I have like an academic crush on Paul Krugman. I think his stuff is brilliant, um, which may be another point of contention. <laughs> but... No, I, like, uh,
0: I, have, I have like all of his 90s stuff.
2: Yeah, I think his, he's, yeah. Anyway, I think his like analysis is great and it appears to be entirely produced in Excel. And basically, like, he downloads data from, like, the St. Louis Fed, puts two lines next to each other, and says something that's super smart based on it.
0: Yeah. And no, like, this storytelling aspect of data analysis, even at scale, is important. Yeah, like, it is yeah. not to be overlooked. It is totally, totally core to, to the skill set.
2: Yeah. So I, I, there's a, a whole other sort of rant I have about this in analogies, <laughs> uh, which is I think that Great analysts use a lot of analogies. I think analogies and analysis are actually like this. There's, there's an analogy that analogies are analysis. Yeah,
0: I, I will. Well, the, maybe not all of great analysts use great al- analogies I, all of the time. Yeah, that was yeah. back to our, our, but, our original yeah. like discussion of Bojangles. Yeah, um,
1: <laughs> I will. I, I will. I will say this. I, I, I do think the best communicators use analogies really well. Uh, uh, but like analysts who think in analogies terrify me.
2: So, so yeah. So I can see that. So there, there's sort of two ways I can you can think of analogies to me. One is analogies where you're like, I'm going to apply this analogy and then try to solve a problem based on how it have solved the analog the analogous problem. Yeah, which I think is a bad pro- like I think that doesn't work. It's the how do I communicate my way of thinking? I find this other thing that you understand that maps well to it and yeah. map sort of – I recognize the core concepts in the thing I'm trying to describe. I recognize the core concepts in the thing you understand. Find the mapping and then can communicate it that way. Yeah. But I agree that you can't be like, here's an analogy to Bojangles. Now this is how I would solve the problem with <laughs> Bojangles. Let's go back and apply that to Patreon. Like yeah. That I agree is like a, a bad. Idea. Yeah.
0: So so I, th- I feel like where you're coming from when you say like you can't just tool your way to good analytics is that like the the stuff that makes – like increases your number of reports or number of – shits, analytical shits produced per analyst is not like it's going to lead you to be the type of company that I was kind of deriding earlier where you have a lot of reports, but you're not necessarily thinking critically of them. Like you're going to be data immersed, but not necessarily like using it well. There's no, there's no tooling thing that can make you, um, that can make you do good analysis on anything, right? That can turn data access into good good like good thoughtful uh, data-driven thinking
2: yeah I think if the if you have sort of a prolif- proliferation of reports you end up either not having a, like a, a single way of thinking about anything mm-hmm. or you're just having too much produced where you're gonna end up finding all sorts of spurious stuff in there yeah and without thinking critically about what it's telling you either you look at all this stuff and be like I have no idea what to do yeah or you just start making decisions based on kind of any sort of shred of evidence that point to you in one way or another which really isn't to me, the point of it, the point is you have
1: big decisions to make and, and let's make those in, in sort of reasoned reasoned So, So if I'm kind of connecting the dots here, like part of what you're saying is like if you want to be an organization that derives value out of data, you need to hire a set of people <laughs> – who know how to derive value out of data. Yeah, very yeah. much.
0: Very and it's, much. it's not just a, like a set of pe- – like it's not a set of people that produces a lot of data. It is the people that like – people that like get the most out of the data you have.
2: Yeah. And, and in some ways produce
1: less. Like I – Well, I, yeah, I mean that's their job, right? Like produce less data, more information, right. please.
2: <laughs> this was – this is a thing that is has occurred to me. And looking – so we've been talking to, to potential customers or, or folks that are customers in mode about – Okay, we're trying to build dashboards and stuff like that. One of the things that was kind of striking to me in those conversations is Yammer was a company that used data pretty effectively, had very few dashboards. It just was like Yammer was super diligent. Otis Otis says
1: one. Basically, basically, yeah, yeah.
2: Was super diligent about not producing a bunch of dashboards. And that that one lots of reports, one yeah, dashboard. It yeah. meant that anytime one you had like a thing to a metric to focus on, there was like it's if that's the thing you focus on. It yeah. wasn't I have my personal dashboard, Notice has his, and you have yours, and they're all kind yeah. of somewhat related metrics, we're all sort of pushing in right in the different directions. It also freed up the analytics or data science team to focus not on building the next dashboard for this marketing campaign, but thinking about what are the questions we actually want to answer and like finding the the real value in those
1: questions rather than just like some reporting for the sake of reporting so like so like what are the key business problems we actually want to move towards yeah. and not like what is the next visualization yeah. that we have to make so right.
0: like when you've got no kr yeah. pro- 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 like when you've got no kr process you're thinking of like like three dashboardable kpis per team times 4
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. So I I I, I want to like keep moving along this path because I'm I'm kind of interested in it. So 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 basically I want to be a data driven company. That means I need to hire like I have to have people working inside mm-hmm. that that are like data driven people. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some common set of tooling that they're going to be using, so I can think of that as like as like centralizing. Right. So, like, I get leverage out of my tools, but I don't necessarily need a huge amount of people like building the tools. Right. You don't need anybody building the tools. Right. I, I go to modeanalytics.com. Yeah. So, so it in some cases, like, I could, I could, I that could, was embarrassing. <laughs> I, in some cases, I could buy the tools. Sure, yeah. Uh, but but like even even if I'm like building data products, right? Like in a sense, like that might be centralizing, right? Because right. I'm going to use that. I I'm going to use that to serve my users. Mm-hmm. Um. So that to me kind of speaks to like where is the shortage in the market? So I think that the I think that
2: there's two answers to that. One is. I think that the the skill set is a hard one. The skill set of like how do I apply sort of analytical thought to the to yeah. this data is one that is challenging one to to find people that are good at it. And two, it's actually challenging to find. Like yeah. it's hard to screen for that. Yeah. Um I think again, this the we talked a little bit about design. I think this is similar to design, where the skill set for design is not being able to use to put pixels on a page. It's a it's how do you sort of know how to do that? And I, like that's an easier thing to screen for at least because you can look at the thing and say yeah. hey, this is something that you know solves a problem, but but I think it's a hard thing to screen for of like are you a good reasoned analytical thinker? Yeah. Um, the second thing is, and I think this comes back to the to the article that Otis referenced, the Vicky's article, that that a lot of the sort of the the education system or the the, the places where these folks are coming from are tend to push on technical skill. Yeah. And and y'all have talked about this before. Why? Yeah. Why do you think they do that? It's one. It's easier to. I mean, y'all talked about this. I think it's one. It's easier to identify. So mm-hmm. it's like clear to be put on your resume. Yes, I know how to do this. Versus, yeah. Like yes, test me on analytics questions, and I will do well on them. Um, and two, it is something that that is differentiated. I don't know that it should be, and I, like, I have some concern about that becoming the thing that is the differentiating thing, yeah. especially because it encourages people to think about that first over training to the extent that you can, the sort of analytical way of thinking.
1: Yeah, well, it, I mean, if we frame it the way that, that we sort of like wandered back into this of like, hey, like companies just need way more analysts than yeah. they need data scientists, like that would even cause a marketplace problem. Right. Where like where like essentially like people are focusing on the thing where like they're not focusing on the thing where there's like an actual market shortage.
0: Oh, my God. You guys are about to tell me that the market isn't clearing. (laughs) 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 I I mean, I think I think that's I think it is legit and it's caused by the prestige problem. Right. Which is that like we really need analysts you don't need a lot of technical skills for analysts. The market, unfortunately, rewards technical skill because not because it's necessarily more valuable, but because it's more, it's more, it's easier to identify. And nobody wants to be like nobody wants to have analyst on their resume. Although I have analyst yeah, on, so yeah, um, <laughs> on my resume. <laughs> I
2: a product intelligence manager.
0: I did not write that on my LinkedIn.
1: Um, and. The like nobody like nobody what, wants what to what do would product unintelligence look like. I mean, I'm not going to answer that yeah. question. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, I
0: don't want to burn any bridges. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, like it, it is it is a, a real problem that nobody wants, Nobody wants to write the sequel. Nobody wants to build the dashboard. People yeah. want to
2: skip right to modeling stuff. Mm-hmm. So, so some people, and I think this is there's a, there's an, another thing here. So my, my brother is actually a good example of this. My brother has several degrees in history mm-hmm. uh, and a law degree and a master's in public policy. He's uh, a lot more letters after his name than uh-huh. I do. Um, uh-huh. He would make a great analyst. Yeah, like he's a very very like he, he thinks through things really well. Uh, you know, historians is, tend to, like uh, like data scientists
0: that come from a history background like actually the best best data scientists he, i've worked
2: with yeah <laughs> like he thinks about things super well um he's a great writer he is someone who is like comfortable with numbers not somebody who you can be like here go off and and build a bunch of models and you know how his way around that that well mm-hmm. he could learn it but it's not really where he's coming from and one while like his interests end up lying somewhere else i don't think he would want to Work for a tech company in San Francisco, but he has an approach to solving problems that I think would be super useful, but he doesn't actually, he would never be someone who these jobs would look at mm-hmm. because I don't think he clears either a technical bar or sort of a traditional, yeah. you fit into this bucket.
1: Yeah. It's like, well, hasn't used version control, no skill at coding and Python. And, and he himself <laughs> would say that like, he'd yeah. be like, I could never
2: get that job. Like that's not, that's not what I do. I don't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of where this signaling problem comes from. If yeah. It's important to have technical skill. Is There's not that much of a short – I have no idea. But it doesn't seem like there would be that much of a shortage in the market if you can find social sciences people and even some humanities people that actually do the analytical reasoning well but are scared off by the fact that it's a tech job and they don't have the tech skills to do it.
0: Yeah. The chief actuary at Clover's degree is in English.
2: Yeah. Like. and <laughs> And so like –
0: I don't think he took any math courses in college. So he said something like that. Well, yeah,
1: but he he did win math. Right. Yeah, and he's school. like yeah. his so, like, <laughs> step, like, yeah, like yeah, his grandfather a, yeah. was a Nobel Prize uh, winner uh, yeah, or some crap. yeah, like my brother basically got like a
2: sixteen hundred on the SAT, so he's like clearly good enough at math. Yeah. But, yeah, but not somebody who's like that's you know feels that he's a math person yeah. necessarily.
1: Yeah, I mean, I you know I I think like when 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 like I run interview processes, like it's actually like, it's super easy to tell like how, you know, like uh, does this person know how to code? Um, And, and I mean, if you get someone today who, who like doesn't, who doesn't know anything about version control, like that's just, just a little weird if they're like applying for that kind of job. Uh, Most people have like sort of seen it. Like someone like your brother might, might be an exception and that, in that regard, and, and I was an exception. Yeah.
0: So, like, when I, yeah, I didn't know. I also well, it, when, it, when
1: I started at
2: Yammer, yeah. I, I didn't know what SQL was. Well, I was it, like, yeah. Otis was like, write this query, and I'm like, what?
0: And The reason, <laughs> the reason why I knew you could do it is because I learned it in the Hard Weekend yeah. too, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah I, I mean, so uh, so 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 like it, it, it's super easy to tell in an interview process, like, does this person know know how to write code? Yeah. Uh, the it, It's a little harder to tell. Like, can they do system design? Uh, which really comes down to like, do they know how to write reproducible code? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, that is a that is, that is an actual skill that is useful. Um, should you cut on it? Probably not. But 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 anyone who comes in is going to have to learn how to do that.
0: Somebody at your company needs to know how to do that, and you have to know, have enough somebodies to be able to scale to the dummies that don't.
1: So so. <laughs> uh, in principle, yes, but everyone by six months in needs to know how how to do that because, like, if you have a set of people who are just, like, writing whatever code they want and then, like, another set of people who have to run after them with a broom and, like, clean up the messes, like, your, your team will break, like, really, really, really quickly. So, I mean, I, I think of that as, like, the Dennis Rodman problem. Like, you can have one. <laughs> Like you can have one person who is like so good and never writes any unit tests and like doesn't know how to how to like get code structure that that like it can run again, but but like you can't have more than that. Is
2: this analogy like because Dennis Rodman is a good rebounder or like Dennis
1: Rodman is a problem? You can so, only take like one Dennis yeah, Rodman it's, character. Yeah, and I mean this is like a Phil Phil Jackson's old line where like he he like he like had a thing. Where, where like, you know, he was very strict about, about the team rules. He was like, every player has to do this and this and this. I don't care if you're Scottie Pippen or Michael Jordan or whatever. And then some reporter was like, well, what about Dennis Rodman? And, and he was like, you can hold the bus for one person. And, (laughs) and and like the reason you hold the bus for Dennis Rodman is because he's Dennis Rodman. Like he is the best rebounder in the history of the league. (laughs) Like, But but like no one else and you can only have one of those because if you have a whole team of them, then like you can't build the culture you want of like Mm -hmm. of like this is what I want this team to do. Uh, And so so like my my feeling is basically like, do you need to know how to write reproducible code coming into the job? Like probably not, but you better learn it at. You know, while you're in there, otherwise the rest of the team is going to be cleaning up your mess, or you need to be like siloed off away from the production systems.
2: Yeah, and this is, I think the the thing that that the way that I think about this in hiring these folks is basically, are you scared of those things? Yeah, like some people will come yeah. into that and be like, yeah, you'll tell them this is what you're going to need to learn, and it's like, oh. Oh, I, I don't
0: yeah, do no, that. Like, I, I love do. this. Yeah. Like you can do these things mm-hmm. wrong the wrong way. I just want to know that you feel bad about
1: it. Yeah. And and <laughs> I don't think that's what you're saying,
2: So right? it's, it's kind of both. So I think yeah, yeah, one, it's like, do you recognize it is not good and are you scared of trying to learn it? Yeah. Like some people will be like, it's wrong and I'm like afraid of it and I don't want to learn it. So and I'm not some people engage
0: with it. And I, yeah. I
2: recognize that it's wrong. And so I'm gonna try to fix it. Versus the like, I don't do that and I don't wanna like try to deal with it and can somebody else just help? Yeah. Like that I think is where is where you yeah. have to start at the screen
1: for Yeah. Yeah. So
0: so I mean, you definitely want people that ask for help, though. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, is, yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah, that. yeah. That's like no, mean. no, no, I'm
1: not you know, saying you don't ask uh, for help. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, none of this is to say that like, oh, you you like never ask for help on like how to structure code. It's it's just to say that like you realize you have to like like this is a thing you have to do. Data scientists should
0: be scared of your reproducibility. Yeah. Like that is that yeah. is like yeah. that should be yeah. the boogeyman for them. They you can't make everything hundred percent reproducible yeah. all of the time. You should feel bad every time you don't, like a little bit. And you should ask for help when you like yeah. for people who have more skills to you.
2: And this is this is one of the places where I think people coming from from sort of like the social science Excel world actually really feel that pain of they've gone through the process of doing something in Excel manually forever. And like the, the idea that I could not have to do that again is like, Oh my God. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Let me learn that thing because I know what this is like in the world that I used to do. Yeah, that
0: was like my – when I first used SQL in a web page that saved execution records, I was like, wow, my thesis sure sucks.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, 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 I mean, I've actually seen both sides of it, right, where it's like you have one set of people who are like, holy crap, this is awesome. I wish I had this and other people who are like – who like just are – I, I either terrified or don't think it's valuable and don't want to engage with it. And and it's that like second set of people, like you really like they need to get on the bus like once once they're yeah. there be, because it 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 causes more work for the rest of the team if they're not doing that stuff. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah, and so so you know I've I've I found essentially like there you can see that in an interview process like it, it actually is, is like you can kind of tell from code that they write. Um, the thing that that you end up needing to test for like really deeply, which is you know kind of gets to your market clearing. Uh, uh, sort of scenario Otis is like do they have the analytical skill to solve a problem right right like if you give them something kind of ambiguous like can they unpack it and like get to something useful and and like when people hop into that and they like starting it, it and they start working through the case studies, you can tell who the folks are that like spent all their time learning the engineering stuff right. versus the ones who are like, no, like the engineering stuff's a nice tool, but this is the thing I actually want to be doing. And this thing is like 90% it, of, the, of the value in the job. And that's, and that's where I think like, it's particularly in
2: the, what are people sort of scared of when you ask these questions, you often see the opposite of that yeah. where some folks would be like, all right, well, how do you figure this problem out? And i, I probably told otis this before like the worst answer to that is sometimes people be like well look at the data and figure it out yeah and that's the uh, like (laughs) that's (laughs) that's not an answer yeah right it's like i would simulate it yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but some people some people approach that as like they're excited to work they're like oh this is like an interesting question how do i dig into it yeah and i think that in some ways that excitement to try to solve that problem is what motivates them to be good at Yeah. Is that like I want to dig into this? I want to pull on a thread and then uncover something, and then realize, oh wait, that that leads me to three more questions. How do I pull on those threads? I'm not just like looking for the answer that that sort of checks the box. I like want to understand how yeah. this works. Yeah,
0: if I want to like I think want to just add one little observation here. So like a lot of what the theme here is is like people kind of don't want to do the analytical part of the data science job, either because like there's market consequences for it, or because like there's like it's just kind of intimidating or they just don't perceive it as valuable mm-hmm. yeah. or, me, or let, it's
1: painful. to.
0: that was kind yeah. of the part that I wanted to like, I'm going to screw this up and I, hopefully he doesn't yell at me too much. But, um, uh, the Sean Taylor at Facebook had mm-hmm. this tweet that I thought was just like incredibly memorable. It was like, when I present my analysis, everyone's mad at me and they're arguing with me about my conclusions. When I build them a tool, that embeds my opinions <laughs> is like the the subtext. I think they all love me, <laughs> like everybody loves a tool builder. Yeah, and like you get rid of a lot of the emotional pain of being an analyst by like hiding behind your tools a little bit. Is the the implication there? Yeah.
1: But but in order to do that, you still need the analytical skill set, right? Because you're not just going to be like data regression and, answer, and, right?
2: And to to go back to the to the design piece. Uh, yeah, I mean, those, the, the people
0: that are the best pull off the, like, they build the tool and it's yeah. got their opinion in it and they've understood
2: it and they've yeah. tricked you into, they've tricked you all the way down. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, like a good designer can't shy away from the critical feedback they're going to get on something. Mm-hmm. And I think like, analysts have to, in some ways, have the same approach where you can't, yeah. you can't be like, here's my opinion and it's right because I made a chart and like, go do what I say. Yeah. Like there has to be some humility to that you get it wrong. Other people have perspectives that you don't understand. There are business contexts that you can't sort of model in.
0: Yeah. But I think even, even if you're approaching it with all the humility in the world, like your effect, like everyone, everyone at a business feels like they can kind of do the analytical part of the job. Yeah. Right. Like you're kind of honing in on their territory. With your opinions, whether or not you're like whether or not you're walking into the room and saying, like, this is how it is. Mic drop or whether you're going.
2: like, eh. Right. Which, which, again, to go back again, this is why I think the design is like the closest analogy. Everybody thinks they're a designer. Everybody. Can look <laughs> everybody. <can look laughs> I know that how to do this. Be like, I'd actually put that there. And what if you do this? And if you thought about that and like you have to be able to work through that. And I think that's – the tool building thing can help. Like there can be other ways to do it. Mm-hmm. But I do think ultimately yeah. your job is to to show people here's a new piece of evidence to consider when you're making a decision. Here's the things you should be thinking about. Here's ways to be persuasive about helping people understand those conclusions. And then ultimately it's not really up to you what happens next. But if you're doing an effective job, people make – like you will change people's minds
1: yeah like i'll i'll say like the best people that i worked that i've worked with technical uh, like they cut across all like the entire technical spectrum mm-hmm. from like from like could ship you know could ship performant production code at google or facebook mm-hmm. versus like Half the time can't figure out how to turn their computer on. Oh, thank you, thank you for <laughs> so tweeting me in my own life while I'm here. <laughs> uh, like, like the, uh, like the you know the technical piece of it was like totally orthogonal. The skill set they had was the analytical side, mm-hmm. like how to take apart a problem so that it can actually be answered. Like, where is the value layer? Locate that. Know the right question to ask. Like figure out the fastest way uh, 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 from like A to B, and 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 also the ones who like could think through the second and third order consequences of the way that 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 like they had answered a question, mm-hmm. right? Because like sometimes it's like, well, I need to answer this right now, but. But I also know that like a very similar question is going to be asked 50 times in the next month, right. and I also know that like the answer to that, the answer to those 50 question, the answer to that question 50 times propagated is going to like move through the entire user base. Mm-hmm. And so like, what does that mean for what I do right now? Like I may not actually like write a query in mode and answer it. I might actually like build a pipeline right now because because like I already have like I I can see the sec the the like second and third order effects of this and I'm gonna need unit tests mm-hmm. on this on this query. Yep. Like that like like the best ones can like really think through all of those pieces and but like none of that is like how good of an engineer are you? Yeah. And and so to go back to the sort of very original question on this
2: of analyst or data scientist, I think that those skill sets are the valuable skill sets. Yeah. They're the valuable skill sets for the company. They're the hard skill sets to find. Uh, and they're the ones that are like worth promoting as this is what the job is.
0: Yeah, And I think there's th-
2: never a glut. Well, yeah. yeah. There's never a glut of that. And so while I think that is the skill set of like an analyst, I want to refer to that as a data scientist because I want to elevate that skill set to being the skill set that people yeah. want to try to pursue. Yeah. And if you can make that like I have the prestige of, of a data scientist while doing that job, I think you can try to solve some of that problem. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I, mean I, I I think part
0: I mean the the biggest barrier in the way of that is that without access to data and the ability to deploy and work the engineering systems on their own that person is you know that doesn't feel like they're they're adding as much value or they're adding any value I think to most companies. Yeah. And I mean part of that is them getting in their own way because they're hiring a bunch of data engineers and then just putting them to work on back-end data – on back-end engineering or they just like haven't really – nothing in data science. We don't have the Apple of data science yet. Sorry, Ben. Mode isn't it. <laughs> like there's nothing in data science that just works, right? Like
2: nothing. Yeah. Like if you – like you no Apple in that sense in terms of products, not yeah. companies that are like –
0: Yeah, Yeah. in terms of, like, products that just work. Most of the the products out there are leaning on data scientists' ability and willingness to go run around and connect the data and figure out that, like, you know, that the same SQL command won't quite run in this environment versus that environment and all of the things that are there that, like, keep you from um, just – Firing up your terminal, hitting git push something, and then seeing the the code actually propagate out into uh, into like actual things that change users'
2: decisions or clients' decisions or whatever it is. Is that necessary though? So so to to say, data scientists or analysts as engineers, mm-hmm. like engineering is there isn't sort of the apple of of Developers, I mean, like Heroku, I guess is the closest well, you can get.
0: Well, yeah, like, that yeah. is a similar shit show. Yes. Yeah.
1: Well, I, I mean, no, because so I, I don't know that that it's the apple of it, but like, uh, but like high high level frameworks have done a lot for engineers, and you know, basically, it used to be that if you wanted to write an application, like you had to code your database from scratch, right? Uh, when Oracle showed up, like they were the first database that supported the SQL standard. And all of a sudden you didn't have to code a database. So you could focus on like writing an application and like SQL server came not long after that. And, 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 and like now you like, you didn't need to, to like be, you didn't basically have to write custom queries into your data store to be able to, to write software. Right. Uh, when, uh, 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 when, when web applications like first, first became a thing and like, in like the, the late nineties, like, I mean, calling them, calling them applications is probably like a misnomer, right? You couldn't really do that much with them, but like, if you wanted to stand up a web application, like you had to write your own server code (laughs) and, uh, and, and like you had to write the rest framework that like you were working in, like, like everyone was basically like repeating every every piece of the stack like now you know there's rails, there's Django like software engineers don't have to worry about this stuff anymore. And so you know and that basically meant that you could focus on the product layer, right You didn't have to worry about about uh, about the like infrastructure code right And then AWS and GCP and Azure showed up and like well now you don't even have to own your own servers. You still need DevOps people, but like eventually, like something like Heroku or or like Google App Engine, like that is actually fine for what, for 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 most for most apps.
2: What what is the in that in that timeline? Yeah. Where is data science then today?
1: Yeah. So 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 I. It's my opinion, and this is just an this is just an opinion. But we are in the early days of Rails, uh, so it's being
0: overused and it's going to have a bunch of shitty applications. Oh, well, like yeah, like three yeah. or four years later.
1: Well, <laughs> I mean, look, like sure, but like Rails also, like like Airbnb was a Rails app, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. like, like part of what Rails allowed engineers to do was just like proliferate applications. And then, you know, and then like evolutionary processes took over and called all the ones that were garbage. But like a lot of the stuff we use today, like big, big companies were actually originally built in rails like like Twitter, Twitter. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, and like but like if you worked in rails like back in the day, you also knew that like that thing was kind of garbage Like, it was not – it did not perform well. Like, it was – a, but it was still better than actually, like, coding your REST framework from scratch. It was, like, the fastest way to get your web app. Yeah. It's like – but what that allowed is, like, all of a sudden, it became much easier to build a web app. So, you got a lot more software engineers who could do it. And then there was just a huge proliferation of products, most of which were crap. And then people learned, like, oh, well, what is a good web product? And then the second generation of those and the third generation of those, like, it turned out to be really, really good, right? So so we talked about analogies and
2: probably ways we can butcher them, is the analogy on this that basically things like Pandas and TensorFlow are kind of that, where it's like super easy to do analysis and sort of analysis extended, Yeah. but what you do with that is kind of not really been figured out. I mean, people have figured out a lot of applications for that, obviously, but like, there's a lot of people who are just like, oh, I can do this. It's super easy. I can learn it. And and a couple like MOOC courses, I'm going to go do yeah. that. And now yeah, what? Yeah. So well, then I should. I think we should add on that like there's, there's – like because
0: of the biases of the market we we're talking about, like there's been a lot of emphasis on developing like TensorFlow, right? Yeah. Like making the algorithms more sophisticated when every, everybody knows that like a more sophisticated algorithm is an improvement but it is not – like nothing compared to like improving the data cleaning process the data ingestion or even goddamn just like dev
1: environment stuff <laughs> okay okay so 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 he- here's the place that i wanted to get to though right so let let's let's assume my hypothesis is correct right that we are basically in in like rails version 1 sure. because the place that we're at right now is if you can get access to data which is like difficult, but not that difficult, like then with some combination of Pandas, TensorFlow, PyTorch, and SK Learn, you can build machine learning models. Like, and if you have an application for those, like they're going to be pretty decent machine learning models, like someone who is who is an absolute expert in like neural nets, is not going to do that much better than like than what the fast AI implementation of something will just give you out of the box. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean, right? So that means you want to pick the person with more analytical skill set than it, not the person who's an expert it, on weighting neural nets. It is not just that, <laughs> right? It is you as a person. What should you be emphasizing, right? So. So think about what it would have been like as an engineer when Rails showed up and your expertise was in writing web stacks. Like, what happens? Right? In like five years, your skill set is not useful. Right? The useful skill set was knowing how to build good products. Was like, was sh- was being able to ship things quickly and test things in the market and have good product hypotheses. It was like being a product engineer. So, so assuming that we are in the early. So so if we believe that this is the place that we're in, it is actually like the wrong decision to be like focusing on like, well, how how do I get deeper and deeper and deeper into these algorithmic implementations? Like the abstractions are getting good. And so like, if that's your skill set, like, are you going to like, for how much longer are you going to be better than the person straight out of school who says fast.ai.cnn.fit? Yeah. Right? Like, I don't think that much longer. And so, like, you got to be where the value layer is, which is going to be, like, knowing, like, locating products that are worth building and shipping that so stuff. I've never seen Ian this excited yeah. about so, it. So, that
2: <laughs> then, then I have a question about that, which is in this article, it talks about, and you've mentioned this this, yeah. this glut of, of people going through these programs yeah. to, to be able to say, like, we're learning these things. Is the problem that they are basically learning how to tune TensorFlow models, and that's just not a skill set you need to learn? Like, they are the people who are basically learning to build Rails apps. Yeah. They are the people who are learning on top of the system that exists. But is it like, you don't actually, that's a that's now a relatively trivial thing to learn given yeah. some other background.
1: Yeah. So so the thing that I would say is, like, it's not it's not that having that skill set will not be useful. Uh, it's that if you think about you wanting to be at, at at the forefront of a field somewhere somewhere that is not commoditized, right? Like you need to be in the, on the differentiated side, yeah. Right, and and so like if someone can learn how to can like legitimately learn how to do a thing that performs well in less than two weeks, like that is the definition of something that's going to commoditize quickly if it hasn't already. Yeah, and and. One of the things, you mentioned this a little bit, one of the places where I think there's a ton of differentiation
2: in this is the sort of organizational effectiveness of your ability to do that. Yeah. That that there's so little emphasis on how to actually do this within a company, how to actually like be influential in that, how to be persuasive in what you do, how to figure out like what other problems people have and to solve those problems. Yeah. Versus you are given a closed set problem, go figure out a way to optimize it. Like you said, that it's basically a regression that's slightly better. I
0: went. I went through the like. I went. I looked for a job last year, and I wasn't sure whether I wanted to be a manager or IC. So I did a lot of IC interviews, mm-hmm. and like the places that I respect and still respect mostly asked me, "Here's a model. How would you like? Like, what kind of confusion matrix or like model scoring would you use to evaluate whether it was good or not?" Like there was – that was the question every – like almost every time on the homework
2: for it. Yeah, we, we, just, we just did this like lead scoring process at mode where we were applying some models to figure out, okay, mm-hmm. who do we call basically? Yeah. Uh, by far, the hardest part of that problem has been how do we actually route these to the SDRs that are making calls? Not like how do we route the data to them, <laughs> yeah. but what is the best way to surface this information to them yeah. such that they will make the right decisions on it? And they won't like sandbag the lower scores and like only promote the good. Yeah. Like, how do you solve the human problem of what do you do with this number rather than like the the model? We did all this stuff. The model ended up being literally a regression. Like it was yeah. like the regression forms pretty much is just as well. We can at least then explain where the numbers came from. Plus, we can then write it in SQL rather than having to like build a machine learning platform that actually does this. That's our first step. And then it was like we spent a much longer time trying to figure out how do you integrate this into a business process in such a way that it actually works
1: i mean i i would bet there was a process even before that to figure out like is this a problem even worth solving yeah very much right so so it's like those those two ends like that's where the value layer sits and, like, if you think about, like, these high-level tools showing up, like, if anyone can fit the model, yeah. like, it's the ends of the spectrum where where the value is going to slide to. Like, figure out what problem to solve and then, like, how you actually get the outcome you want. Like, I, that's just not a place where anyone is spending any time.
2: Yeah. There's this interesting – related to this, there's an interesting Andrew Gelman post, I think about it's basically about uh this is the only person i like better than nate silver <laughs> <laughs> uh i think it's 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 him sort of waiting in some of like the 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 p-value debates a few years ago when this stuff was really going on mm-hmm. um and it was basically like yeah okay we can argue all this stuff there's all this like nitpicking about the sort of 95 confidence and stuff and he's like this is totally absurd the amount of effect that you get by changing the way that you do this versus where does your data come from? Like, <laughs> nobody's arguing yeah. about like thresholds for whether or not this is like a, a reasonable way to conduct a test. Yeah, And and it's all around sort of the, the easy part of looking at these numbers and these models. And I think yeah. that's kind of the same thing with this. It's like you present this stuff, you argue about these little details, not like, did we even ask this question in the meeting? Yeah. All right. So I think we all
0: agree that like Vicky Boykus's advice of like like learn SQL is like the best advice anyone can give any early career thing. Yeah. Like that was one of her pieces of yeah. advice, and her other was like lean on the the engineering stuff, and like that was that was in there, and I think that's good career advice. Yeah, I, I still. I, I, and I, I think yes. I think there's two way there's two reasons there's one good reason and one kind of one that depresses me. There's one, one good reason is like thinking like an engineer is good for you as you put your analytic skills to use because it, I mean, it, it, that's makes, what
1: drives you towards reproducibility.
0: Yeah. Reproducibility, yeah. like thinking about things from the user's point of view, like do like simulating the decisions of the human that is going to be like doing the things like that's all variations on thinking like an engineer to yeah. me. Yeah. Um, the other reason that saddens me a bit is just like that's easier to test. The market will continue to reward that. I feel like Ian is taking the the bear position on that part of the advice and saying that like the the market will come around on lateral causal social science thinking um, as applied to a business. And I don't know what Ben's opinion is. Mine would be the Marshall, like some version of Keynes's The market can stay irrational longer than you can stay solvent. No, no. No, (laughs) so so
1: like – so like to be clear, I would not argue that people should not learn this stuff, Mm -hmm. uh, especially when you're competing with everyone who is. Like the thing that I would argue is like you can learn this stuff in like – you can learn enough of it in like two to three weeks Like that should tell you that's not the place to be spending your time.
0: Which is not – he's not saying you can learn good engineering in two or three weeks. No, no, no. you can learn how to uh, manipulate – like to make a package go to like – you know, know, to do the bootcamp stuff.
1: Yeah, like you can learn the concepts especially if it's it's like a fully immersed like two to three-week period or let's say even if it's six months, right? It's six months. You come out the back end – like with the way the tools are set up today, like you, you're the the models you will build are going to be just as good as like the world's experts in in model building, but the problems you will solve are like that that is the place like that's how you figure out how to drive value in the commercial world. So it's like if you're spending all of your time on on that, you know, after that six month period where like you know how to use Git and you know how to use TensorFlow and you know how to use pandas, like if you're if if you're still learning, if you're still focusing on like do more, 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 more of that, like that's where I would get worried for someone as an early career person, because that's not where like it it's it's it it might get you a decent job today, but in five years that is definitely not where the value layer is going to be. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I agree
2: with this. And I think that, like, there's – there's <clears throat> the thing that I would encourage folks to do is go find something you're interested in and solve a problem with it. Yeah. And then you'll quickly realize, like, the, the amount of engineering skill that you need to learn to solve that, and you'll spend most of your time trying to work on these, like, other yeah. more sort of real meaty problems that I see in this. And I, I also think, like – I agree that the market here is sort of depressing, that I do think it's it'll be like this for a while. Yeah. I would love for for – frankly, like the folks like us and our positions to be able to push that, to be able to push it to the extent that they can, where it's, let's not, let's find the folks and celebrate the folks or, or celebrate the skill sets that are these other ones. You know, I don't know how that actually changes, but, but I would love there to be more of that. And I, and I agree that, that there is a huge differentiation problem. I was talking, when I was talking to these students recently, someone came up to me who was exactly one of these sort of junior folks who had done a bunch of, a bunch of like technical stuff. and sort of like, how do I, how do I get a job? And it was, you're applying to a job that a hundred people are applying to your technical skills are not the thing. Like nobody's going to care. Yeah. Like they will care. Great. But like really you're, you're going through an MBA program. The MBA program may be a net negative, but it's a differentiator and you yeah. can spin that potentially of like, I understand business problems Yeah. or something that isn't just like, what do you do? Well, I know TensorFlow. Yeah. Like,
1: it's like, it just or, doesn't matter. or like take that skill set and apply it to a different position. Right. Like, or, yeah, like exactly. you, use it as a differentiator somewhere else. Right. Where where it's like, you know, apply to the finance team where they're doing everything in Excel. And then and, and then you can use this other stuff as a superpower. Like. You know,
0: people who can write SQL or Python and are willing to like hang around with people in finance are beloved by both finance teams and the companies that th- employ them.
2: Th- yeah, this is another thing sort of lesson from my brother is he works in a place where nobody has SQL or technical skills at all. Yeah, and like learning the ability to like scrape a web page yeah is the kind of thing that he can now do in a day what people have like spent three weeks like going through manually pulling data yeah. off of a government website. And so I think, yeah, there's a place where you can really leverage it there that makes a big difference.
1: Yeah, I mean I I feel like the hardest part for early career folks to come to grips with, and, and like I say this as a person who had a lot of trouble coming to grips with this, is that like in a job, you don't get paid for skills. Like you might get considered for skills, but you don't get paid for skills. You get paid for differentiated value. And so like you need – like your job as a professional is figure out how to get out – figure out how to get out of competition like as quickly as you can to a place where like the thing that you're doing is is valuable and differentiated so that you can get paid for it.
0: This has been easily the longest episode we've ever done if we stop right here. So, <laughs> uh, Ben, thanks for, thanks for coming thanks on. Thanks for having me. Um, we've learned a lot. I think uh, was, I really I really think we should shout out to Vicky Boykus for writing a, yeah, that a great was, that article was a that article. like it was really that great. provided like multiple points to bounce off of. And we didn't even get to bird by bird, which I think <laughs> is an amazing like read the article, get to the end. Think bird by bird is a great thing and it's going to stick in my head for forever. Um, uh, yeah. So, Ben, do you have anything you want to plug?
2: Uh, do you, do you want
0: you want people to look at and if think you want to go to
2: mode.com if you're looking for analytics software. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also for folks uh, if again, if you are the type of person who is looking for a job or, or looking for technical skill sets, uh, technical things to learn. There's a lot of uh, good learning resources there as well, particularly a, a popular SQL tutorial. Yeah, that yeah.
1: that SQL tutorial might actually be like my favorite piece of of like educational content anywhere. Like I point so many folks at that.
0: Yes, I, I also concur. It's really good. I've referred people to it. They've learned SQL through it. Yeah. Um, the yeah okay. Uh, my you know this has been Otis Anderson. I'm at Old Jacket on Twitter. If you want to give us feedback, it's at at smalldiffcast.com or at of differences on Twitter.
1: Yeah, uh, Ian Blumenfeld at Ian Blue One on Twitter. All
0: right. Thank you for joining us.